Rabbonim, Moab, Rabbotai. The, the, the topic is, is crucial. It's difficult to overstate the, the importance of the topic of how to allocate time, how to prioritize in using our time, and for the simple reason that if one wants to define what life is, right? We all want to live a long life. We all ask the Yivam Shalom Arichos Yomim. We bench each other on, on, on a birthday. Arichos Yomim Vishanim. And ultimately, the definition of life is time. That's what life consists of. The difference between a, a short life and a long life is so many extra years. And ultimately, for that extra life, for that life to be meaningful, it's a function of how we use the time. So it's difficult to, to think of a more important or more central topic than tonight's topic of how we use our time, how we, how we prioritize. And it's for that reason that, uh, that, that we are devoting the, the shiurim tonight this, to this topic. On the other hand, it's a very difficult and in, in a certain sense impossible topic to tackle. And that is because the most one can hope to do is give general guidelines. But there are so many variables involved in everyone's personal situation that ultimately, even after hearing all the guidelines, there's a need to individualize and there's a need to apply it very specifically in a very individualized fashion to one's own life, to one's own set of circumstances. And, and, and the most, the most which we can hope to do is touch on some of the guidelines. It, it, it reminds one of the Mesilas Yishorim's conclusion after... I'm, I'm a big bucky in, in, in Midas Hazahirus in, uh, in Misilas Yisharim, not because I'm such a Zahir, because that's what he uh, begins with, that's at the beginning. So we don't, don't usually get uh, too far in Misilas Yisharim, it's a wonderful cipher, but it's, uh, don't usually get, uh, don't, don't get so far in it. But occasionally, you know, sometimes you open a book and you cheat, you want to see what the conclusion is going to be. So I cheated a little bit to see what the uh, conclusion in the Misilas Yisharim was going to be. And then Sil Sisharim says when he finishes writing, he says, Don't think I really finished because Ain Ladovasov. There is no end to this to this topic. And then he says, Vizeposhut, I'll just read it in the English translation. It is understood, it's obvious that each individual must guide and direct himself according to his calling and according to the particular activities in which he is engaged. The path of Chasidus, of saintliness, appropriate to one Tarasa Umnasa, whose Torah is his calling is unsuited to one who must hire himself out to work for his neighbor. And the path of neither of these is suitable for one who is engaged in business. This holds true for all of the particulars in the affairs of men, each calling for a path of chasidus corresponding to its nature. This is not to say that chasidus varies in nature. It is unquestionably the same for everyone, in that its intent is the doing of that which brings pleasure to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But in view of the fact that circumstances vary, it follows of necessity that the means by which they are to be directed towards the desired goal vary in kind. And, and certainly, that's exactly what we're talking about tonight. So the most we're doing is giving broad, general guidelines, but with the understanding it's not intended as a cop-out, and it's not a cop-out, that obviously everything needs ultimately to be individualized 
And a shear can only present guidelines, but it's a conversation, be it a monologue, be it a dialogue, which is necessary to personalize and individualize it. Now, before, before discussing how one balances, how one juggles, I'd like to turn our attention to two other very fundamental questions. And the first one is, how much of my time, let's assume that we'll, we'll try to compile a list of those things which, according to the Torah, make demands on our time, right? uh, whether it's Talmud Torah, whether it's Chesed. So we'll try to compile a list. But once that list has, as uh, Hashem, been successfully compiled, the question is, well, how much of my time do I owe to this list of things? So the Torah says, the Torah says you should learn, and the Torah says you should do chesed, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll add the X, Y, and Z, Hashem. So how much of my time? So is it enough that I sort of, uh, I give, I give maister to the Ribbon Shalom, and then the rest of the crop belongs to me, so then I give some of my time, or do I owe the Ribbon Shalom all my time? Again, we're not discussing what the balance will be, but rather we're discussing how big the pie is that we're slicing up here between things. Now here, this is something, and, and I have to tell you, when Rabbi Tabus mentioned that uh, Baruch Hashem, uh, I am privileged to, to, to come here on, on a regular basis, so the, the, the premise for, for my remarks this evening is that I, I respect the audience, tremendous respect for the audience. I'm not, uh, not, not no, what, what I'm telling you is, is, is unadulterated. It's a challenging topic in that it's difficult to deal with, and in the course of dealing with it, many things which will challenge us emerge. So let's try to confront that challenge together. If you look in the Sefer Chinuch, for instance, in the Mitzvah of Avas Hashem, so the Sefer Chinuch writes in the Dine HaMitzvah that a person, Roi Lola Odom, Shiyosim Kol Machshavto V'chol Magamoso Acha Avas Hashem that one's goal, one's orientation, should be attaining Avas Hashem, love of God. Now this, rotely, perhaps is a little bit of an ambiguous phrase. Is it obligatory? Is it, is it recommended? Is it something ideal? Where exactly on the spectrum is it? Well, when the, when the Sefer Chinuch concludes, right, as, as you know, the Sefer Chinuch in his presentation of every mitzvah always concludes with under what circumstances a person is considered to have violated this mitzvah. So when the Sefer Chinuch concludes the mitzvah of Amos Hashem, he says, If a person who violates this mandate of the Torah, of Avas Hashem. And, and he fixes his thoughts, his goals, in material matters, not for the sake of heaven. Again, he's not talking about earning a panos or things like that per se, obviously. But he's talking about mundane activities when they become an end unto themselves, right? Right? When mundane activities become an end unto themselves, just to enjoy, just to have a, a good time in life, or to acquire the most worthless of commodities, of honor, of fame, 
So the Sefer Chinuch says, Bital the person is considered in violation of this mitzvah saseh of Avas Hashem. And it's very, very important to note here, very, very important to note here, that there's no distinction drawn here between classes of people, between genders. This is something addressed to each and every one of us. Again, no, no distinctions drawn whatsoever. We will, I hope, we will discuss a little bit the, the, the role of, of individuality which the Mesilat Yisharim has already pointed to. Exactly what the precise mix and blend of activities will be that we devote and direct to HaKadosh Baruch who is going to vary for each and every one of us, all within the parameters of Torah, obviously. But this goal that a person should be working, aspiring, striving to achieving this goal that all of his all of his time, all of his actions, all of his thoughts, a person is striving to devote and dedicate and direct that Akadosh Baruch Hu is something which is an obligation for each and every one of us. Similarly, again this is not an idiosyncrasy of the Sefer Achinuch. Similarly, the Rambam writes in Hilchas Deus in discussing the Pasuk of Bechol Derochecha Do'ehu that you have to know HaKadosh Baruch Hu in all your ways. So the Rambam has a similar formulation that Tzarech HaOdom SheYichavein Libo Vechol Masav Kulam Leidas Hashem Baruch Hu that a person has to direct, has to gear, has to orient everything he does in order to know HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to come closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And again, it's, it's very fascinating. If you take a look at Hilchus Deus, the, the Rambam underscores it. If you just try to get a little overview of Hilchus Deus, there are places in Hilchus Deus, there are certain halachas in Hilchus Deus where the Rambam clearly says he's addressing the Talmud Chacham. And the Rambam begins uh, one of the Perkins by saying that a Talmud Chacham, the same way he's Nikah B'Chachmasa, the same way he's supposed to he's recognizable, he's discernible by how much he knows, so he also should be discernible, he should, be, he should stand out in terms of his exemplary conduct. And then there are many halachas, including some Mishnayas and Perkeyavos, which the Rambam quotes in that context, right, where he's He's not addressing. He's not addressing us. He's addressing the uh, the Talmidei Chachamim. Now, I, I would have thought, right, if I had been the, the editor of Mishnah Torah, I would have told the Rambam, with all due respect, Rabbeinu Moshe, I think you misplaced this halacha of Bechol Drachecha Do'ehu. Reserve that for the parak which you introduced with Kishem Shehachochem Nika Bechachmaso. This this uh, lofty goal that a person directs all his energies to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. That's not the, that's not for me. That's for you, the Rambam. That's for the big Talmidei Chachamim. But that that's not for me. And yet the Rambam, on Adal Shalom, and the Rambam says no. That this is something which I'm addressing to everyone. Do we pass in this way? Do we pass in like the Rambam in the Sefer Hachinuch? So in in Orachayim, at the end of Chelak Aleph of Shulchan Aruch, so the Machaber has a simon. It's a, it's, a, it's a short simon. It's one of those simonim in Shulchan Aruch, which consists of only one if There are many such simonim, but this is, is one of those simonim where he says, the, in the simon is entitled, that, uh, that a person is supposed to be mechavin b'cholmas of the Shem Shemayim. That whatever a person does, he is supposed to be mechavin the Shem Shemayim. There is a chassidah shavot on the posuk where Elio challenges the people and says to them, Ad atem right? So really he means, why are you straddling the fence, right? Take, take sides. Either you're with the Baal or you're with the Ribbon Shalom. 
So this is a chiddush avod. I must have to impose on Hashem. How long are you gonna you're gonna pay attention to everything else in Shulchan Aruch, but you're not gonna pay attention to those two, two simanim Shulchan Aruch, each of which only consists of one sif. Okay, so. Is this really what Eliyahu Navi had in mind? It's not clear, because there are other Simon and Shulchan Aruch which also only have one Sif, so Yesh Lodun Bazer. But the, the two Simonim, which are singled out, is the very first one in Orachayim, of Shivisi Hashem and Negdi Samed, where the Ramah quotes from the Rambam and Monavuchim, the opening paragraph in Shulchan Aruch of Shivisi Hashem and Negdi Samed, that a person is supposed to always have an awareness of being in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch That's a one Sif, a one paragraph Simon. And then the other one is Kol Masach, Yil Hashem Shemayim, which is another one simon seif. Now, now, none of this, um, th- th- those, those who, who may be travel agents who are beginning to worry about their panosa and, and vacations, n- none of this is to preclude vacations. Part of Kol Masach, Yil Hashem Shemayim, is that a person, when he needs to relax, he has to relax. And, uh, and if he needs to go on vacation, then, then he should go on vacation. And if he needs to exercise, he should, he should exercise. But the point is that it should be done in that context, sincerely. It should be done in that context for that goal that I need to relax in order to be able to continue to use my time and focus my, my energies on serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Be'emes, that's what the Mishnah in Perkei Avos of Hayom Kotzo Vahamalocha Meruba Balabayiz Dochek is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us so much work to do that it fills the, the entire day. So the pie that we're discussing and, and trying to slice here and, and in terms of allocating time is all our time. It's not a question of that I'll, I'll fulfill I'll fulfill my chiyuvim to the Ribbon Shalom in uh, five hours a day, in six hours a day, and the rest is my time. No, all of our time is really Meshubed. All of our time is Meshubed to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Again, what that translates into, the precise mix and blend that that translates to, that's what the Nesil Tisharim already anticipated, is going to vary for each of us. Now, what things make demands on our time? What, uh, what, according to the, what does the Torah demand from our time? So well familiar with the uh, mission in Perk Yovos. Now when the Mishnah says it, so presumably the Mishnah is talking about the macrocosm, right? The Mishnah is talking about the, about the universe. But it's also true, what the Mishnah says holds true for the Olam Katan as well, for the microcosm, right? And every person, every individual is a microcosm. In Olam Katan, it holds true as well. How do we know that? The Gemara says in Avodah that that one who is solely preoccupied with Torah and as the Gemara with Talmud Torah with studying Torah and as the Gemara soon makes clear it means to the exclusion of Gemilas Chasadim that he's not involved in Gemilas Chasadim at all. So the Gemara has such a shocking formulation: It's like he has no God. Like he's an atheist, Rahman if all he does is spend all his time learning Torah and no time on Chesed. So clearly, clearly, the Al HaTorah and Gemilus Chasodim is clear from the Gemara Navodazar. The, the Gemara then says in the first parak in Masach Shabbos that Kagon Onu Masikin Bain Likriyashma Bain Litzfila. 
that even if we happen to be involved in learning, we would even interrupt our learning to daven. So clearly the, the pillar of avoda has to be present in our lives as well. So the Al-Hatorah, Al-Avodah, Al-Milas Chasadim formula is true, again, not only for the macrocosm, but for the individual, for the microcosm as well. Here, we'll come back to this again, Blinader, but with regard to, to Avodah and its place in our life, you know, one of the one of the things we struggle with in terms of balancing and juggling and allocating time is what's possible, what's not possible. But very often, you know, we, we think that the terms possible and impossible are objectively defined, and yet circumstances often, often show that it's not so objective. The most common, the most common phenomenon which one sees, Rahman is, is a person whose schedule doesn't allow him to daven b'tzibur. Then Rahman al-Atzlan, he becomes a chiyuv, he has to say Kaddish, and all of a sudden it becomes possible that somehow or other, even in the winter, he's able to, to daven b'tzibur mincha. As difficult as it was, it used to be impossible, but now somehow or other, circumstances show that maybe it wasn't really impossible. Maybe it was really a big nisoyim. Maybe it was really extremely, maybe even inordinately difficult, but it wasn't actually impossible. Vaharaya, now, unfortunately, Rachman al when he has to say Kaddish, so somehow or other, he finds the time. So it's very important to, to be mindful of, again, what's, what's impossible, what's, what's very difficult. I, I, I would venture to think that uh, it's, it's, it's no less of a, no less of, of a zechus for, for parents when, when, when a son with tremendous mysterious nefesh juggles his schedule for the 11 months of Kaddish to be in Shul three times a day to Davin B'tzibur, I would venture to say it's no less of a schus that he lives his life that way even when the parents are alive. I would think maybe it's even a, a greater zechus. So why should it be Rahman al-Islam that one needs that, uh, that impetus to, to make Tefillah B'tzibur a, a, a central part of, of one's life? Now it's true. It's true. There is a deen in the post and whether or not Tefillah B'tzibur is absolutely mandatory or whether it just enhances and, and embellishes it. Is it a chiyuv? Is it a maila? So some post can hold that it is a chiyuv. Some post can hold that it is a chiyuv. Even, even according to those post can hold that it's not a chiyuv, so we clearly need Tefillah B'tzibur. We clearly need Tefillah B'tzibur for two reasons. Most of us, this is not necessarily true across the board, but most of us um, will daven better B'tzibur than we will be a chidus, and we will be a chidus. And second of all, davening b'tzibor makes davening an anchor in our lives. It means that our lives become oriented around Avodah Shabalev because we then we, we organize our schedules. Shachris is this time, Mincha is this time, Mariv is that time. When one has the luxury of davening b'yechidus, so then we don't appreciate the importance of tefillah. And we don't, we don't lend it the same importance and centrality which it should have in our life. But when we make a sacrifice for something, right, that's what the, the Darshanim quote from Asachus Darach Eretz, that the way a person um, fosters attachment is by making sacrifice. So the Masechus Darach Eretz says, if you don't like someone, if there's someone you don't like, but there's a mitzvah of Avis Yisrael, so how do you get yourself to, how do you get yourself to, to like him? So the Masechus Darach Eretz says, do something for him. 
do something for him. Make a sacrifice to him. Why? Because when you invest in someone, right, when there's a part of you and that other person, so then you naturally come to love the other person, right? When uh, parents, in addition to the instinctive love which parents have for their children, so that love becomes greater. The first time your, your child is, is up at night, or Rachman is sick at night, and you spend the whole night up with the child, so then the bond that you feel in the morning is a stronger bond. It's a deeper bond because you've, you've sacrificed. That's what the Masech HaZerot says. So, something like that, that you want that your friend should become more beloved to you because you, you recognize that you don't have obviously soil towards him, so you have to sacrifice towards that person. So the same is true not only in terms of Ben Odom Havero, the same is true in Ben Odom Lamakam also. If, if we want something, if we know that the something is very important, Avodah Shabalev is difficult to exaggerate its importance, and yet we, we recognize that we recognize that, you know, the, the 6 o'clock minion is, is out the door at 6.25 and, and I usually leave five minutes before the minion is over. So we recognize that maybe, maybe we're, we're selling it short and then a person has to sacrifice. So I think that the machlokas and the postkin about whether tefillah v'tzibor is a mile or is a chiyuv is, is not so relevant to us and that we certainly need to, to take it as, as a chiyuv. So we have that a person has to have in his life Torah, Avodah, and Gemilas Chasadim. In addition, a person has an obligation to work for Panosa. A person has an obligation. It's a mitzvah, as Rav Shachter referred to, that a person should, uh, should, should work for Panosa. Obviously, our hashkafa is that we don't believe that, that there's natural cause and effect in the, uh, you know, in the classical physical sense of the concept between our working and our panasa. Everything is Bidei Shemaim. The HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides how successful we're going to be. HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides how much we're going to earn, what, uh, what our salary is going to be. But that notwithstanding, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that we're supposed to be active, we're supposed to be proactive, we're supposed to exert ourselves to, to earn a panasa. And the Rambam talks about this very... Uh, Emphatically, in, among other places, in Paragimel of Hilchos Talmud Torah, called Torah She'eni Mamalacha, Sofer B'Tela V'Goreres Avon, Ehovet Hamalacha, etc., that a person is supposed to have a way, he's supposed to have a profession, he's supposed to have a way he can live. And finally, the other major demand with which the Torah makes on our time, in addition to Torah, Avodah, Gmilas, Chasodim, in addition to Panosah, is, is family. And that, again, as, as Rav Shachter referred to, both Bein Odom Le'ishto, between a, a, a man, a husband, and wife, as well as vis-a-vis children. Vis-a-vis children, there, there are two mitzvahs, two chiyuvim, with boys who have a chiyuv, there's a chiyuv of Talmud Torah, limatem osam es benechem. And then there is a general mitzvah which applies to both sons and daughters. The Meshachachma says on the post again, Parshas Vayeru, of Lemanashi Yitzavah, as Bonav is Beso Achrov, something like that. I don't remember the exact wording of the Posuk, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I love Avraham Avinu ki yadativ. I, I love Avraham Avinu and I, and, I, and I have this intimate relationship with him 
because I know that he will train the members of, of his household to follow the Shamu Derech Hashem, to follow in the path of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the, the Meshachachim explains that this is a source Midaraisa for Chinuch, again, in a general sense, for both sons and daughters. When we talk about Chinuch being only Midarabonan, it means that that right now, on the 15th of Tishrei, that I should tell this boy to shake a lulav, this particular act, right now, that's only, that's only Midurabonin. But the general thrust that a person has to spend the time in order to put, put, put his children on the Darah Hashem, that the result should be that when they leave, uh, when they leave his house, and when, the, and when they're beyond the sphere of his influence, that it should be the Shamu Darach Hashem, that they should guard the path of Hashem. So that certainly is a, a mitzvah Daraisa. Now, so we have these, these five Torah, Avodig Milz, Chasadim, Panosa, family. How, how, does a person, how does a person allocate? So it's interesting that the Rambam in Parak Aleph of Hilchas Talmud Torah, in the context of saying the Chai Vodim, the Shalesh, that a person is supposed to divide his, his learning time into three parts. He studies the uh, Torah Shavuchsav, he studies the uh, Chumash and Nach, he studies Torah Shavalpeh, basically Mishnayis, Halachos, Psukos, and then he studies Gemara, which according to the Rambam means the deeper understanding of, of parts of Torah and other, other things as well. So when the Rambam is illustrating this, so the Rambam, it's very interesting, the Rambam first says how many hours a day it takes the person to earn his panasa, and then says, now we'll figure out how much time he has left to, to, to divide up in terms of his Talmud Torah. So it seems clear from the Rambam that when, when you begin slicing up the pie, when you begin dividing up the, the 24 hours in the day, the first one sees how much time the panasa takes. It depends how much time the panasa takes. And then the rest of the time will be divided up amongst other things. But here, again, Rav Shechter touched on this. The question is, so panosa, so how much, how much panosa? So the Rambam says, ha-mefarnesa so He has to find an umnus which is mefarnesa so Now here too, the question is, what exactly does that mean? That it provides him with, uh, with panosa, with, with livelihood. So, so what does that mean? So here, it's, you know, we mentioned before about how sometimes the line between difficult and impossible seems to shift. So too, there's no question that, that over the centuries, the line between necessities and luxuries has also been a, a shifting and, and a moving line. And there's no question, and this is a theme which... The, certainly the gedolim of, of the past century um, have been sounding that, that our conception of necessities as opposed to luxuries is one which has become very inflated. So a person has to figure out, well, first I have to earn my panosa, but how much time that's going to take depends upon what, what a person defines as necessities and what a person defines as, as luxuries. So the question is, is it a necessity that I have to be able to take my family to a hotel? Is it, is it a necessity that uh, I have to be able to afford an expensive uh, vacation, uh, including uh, airfare and, uh, and, and, and everything else? that the type of lifestyle which a person is looking to support is going to dictate exactly how much, how much he has to earn. And that, of course, is going to 
often is going to translate into how much money the person has to earn. Now, it, it, the, the Chafetz Chaim you used to used to point out as a Musa Haskal. I heard this from from Gershon Zaksachon Levacha. You know the Gemara says in Sukkah and, and elsewhere that talks about uh, there are many halachas in the Torah which have to deal with a house, right? A house. If you, if you built a new house, well, then you're excused from going out to war if you haven't uh, yet had a Chanukah Sabbath. Any man of the Chi of Mezuzah, for the Mezuzah depends upon a house. So how big, how big is a house? So I, I live, I have a few bedrooms, Baruch Hashem, and we have a living room, we have a dining room, so we have, uh, Baruch Hashem, uh, a nice-sized house. So what's the Torah's conception of a house? So the Torah says it has to be Dal Hamas and Dal Ramas. It has to be four hours by four hours. But if it's less than that, that's not a house already. But Dal Ramas or Dal Ramas, that's already a house. And it's inconceivable that a person should have invested all this time and effort to build himself a whole house. Dal Ramas or Dal Ramas. Six by six, eight feet by eight feet, uh, something uh, along, along those lines. That was the Torah's conception of, uh, of a house. Now, I, I, I can't, without being guilty of, of hypocrisy, tell you that we're all supposed to be... Uh, Living in a, in, in, in a one in a, in a studio with our with, with our families, and, and that's not what I in, intend to insinuate either. But it, it is a helpful reminder, and, and maybe it, it does give us pause for a moment to step back and really reassess, you know, to what extent our definition and where we draw the line between luxuries and necessities. So, to what extent that reflects the views of the society in which we live, and to what extent that reflects Torah values. The society in, in, in which we live, so Olam Hazah is the ultimate. Olam Hazah is the ultimate. So that gives you one definition of necessities versus luxuries, and one attitude, one approach towards how important even luxuries are, even if one concedes that it's a luxury, but how important it is. But, but that's not our view of, of Olam Hazah. Specifically, when, when that line between genuine necessities and what are luxuries is blurred, so A, we, we become guilty of, right, it was uh, just a week ago we read the, the Ramban's understanding of Kedoshim to you, the Ramban says it's, it's addressing exactly this, exactly that Redifa Achahamosaros, where a person where we pursue material excess. Excess materialism, according to the Ramban, and even if it doesn't violate any other mitzvah, right? Even if it doesn't violate any other mitzvah, but it does violate this mitzvah of Kedoshim to you. But there's an even more sobering mistake in, in the indulgent and often a little bit too materialistic lifestyle that we live, and, and that's the following. You know, the mission of Pegu Elvis tells us that that Olam Hazed, Domel opposed the Bifnei Olam Haba. That this world is like an antechamber. It's a waiting room before, before Olam Haba. Now, if, if, if someone joins the military, right? So what, what do they try to accomplish during basic training? What they try to accomplish is they try to simulate the type of conditions that he's going to be faced with in a war, Rahman al because the whole point of, of the training is you, you can't let the person continue to live a, a lifestyle which won't prepare him for the challenges which await him. So in, in basic training, 
So they have to be prepared and they have to be trained to deal again with the type of, of challenges which a real life wartime situation would pose. So if, if Olam has it, it's a simple cheshvan, right? If, if Olam has it, is a is a prose door before the traklin of Olam Haba, if it's the antechamber before the banquet room, which is Olam Haba, then clearly we want to mold our personalities, that our personalities should be such that, that we'll enjoy Olam Haba, that our personalities are suited to Olam Haba. Now, whatever conception of Olam Haba one takes, whether it's the Rambam's conception that it's a non-corporeal existence, that in Olam Haba only the Neshama exists, and, and the body doesn't live eternally in Olam Haba, only the Neshama. Or if one accepts what the Yad Ramah insists is the majority opinion. He says it's the more traditional opinion, which the Gaonim subscribe to, which is that Olam Haba, no, that we live the Guf Unashama. It is a corporeal existence, but everyone agrees, the Yad Ramah also agrees, the Ravid, who, who also d- disagrees with the Rambam, the Gemara does say that in Olam Haba there's no eating, and there's no drinking, and there's no, there's no sleeping. Everyone agrees, even if eternal life, we should all be Zalcha, in, in, in Olam Haba is Guf Unashama, is body, and soul, but everyone agrees it's not the type of existence of Olam Haza, even if it's body and soul, again, which is the majority opinion, but it's a spiritual, much more spiritual existence. Again, there's no eating, there's no drinking. The Rambam thought those were metaphors for there's no body. The Rambam says, how can you have a body without eating and drinking? And the Ravid and the Yad Ramah say, no. Say it, 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 it's intended literally. It's not a metaphor. It's that we do live eternally in Olam Haba with our bodies, but it's a purely spiritual existence. So if one if one sort of gears himself and orients himself and molds his personality to to enjoying the pleasures of Alam Hazar, so that doesn't leave us well prepared for the eternal life, the Nitzchias of Olam Haba. And in addition to just the Ramban's, you know, specific directive of Kedoshim Tiyu, I think this is also something which which it's very, very worthwhile to, to, to meditate upon. So, Panosa, again, in, in terms of coming back to our allocation of time, so the way the Rambam describes it is first a person has to earn his Panosa. Right? Now, the Rambam was talking in a different type of economy than we are. The Rambam was talking about an economy where many people were day laborers, and that you didn't, and you could just, every day, you could go out and hire yourself out for as many hours as you needed to, to earn money for that day. And the Rambam talks about you work three hours a day. So obviously, all of that has to be adjusted to the, uh, to the economic uh, realities as, as we know them. But again, in terms of how much a person needs, so we really need to, to rethink very carefully what, what are necessities from a Torah perspective and what are luxuries? Now, granted, granted that we can't turn the clock back entirely, right? And, and granted that uh, um, I'm, I'm not moving tomorrow to a house of, uh, if you have a house of Dalamas or Dalamas you want to sell, no thank you, I'm not interested. I'm not moving there tomorrow either, but that notwithstanding, Lachora, some some correction is, is necessary in terms of where we draw the line between necessities and, and luxuries.
Now, that, that notwithstanding, and here again, just to return briefly for a moment to, to the theme of, of individuality and of individualizing things, let's say a person, Baruch Hashem, has been so successful in, in business that he really has enough money to retire now. He could live, off the, uh, could live off the interest for the rest of his life, take care of his family. He could really do it. So does that mean that... that uh, Again, especially given what we've been talking about, uh, about drawing a line between necessities and luxuries, does that mean a person is supposed to, is he, is he obligated to, to retire? So the answer, again, is, is that's not necessarily the case. This is something which Rav Shechter also addressed. And, and the Mishnah Bura, if you look in that simon in Reish Lamed Aleph, which we mentioned earlier, so the Mishnah Bura says that, again, if the person knows... That, that he's not going to make the most of his time. He's not going to sit a whole day and, and, and learn. Or he doesn't have enough chesed projects which are going to engage him all day. So then the Mishnah Bura says, so such a person, so let him, let him work 50% of the time. He doesn't say 50% of the time, but he says even if he has enough money, so let's, uh, uh, adapting the Mishnah Bura, so let him cut back somewhat. And he should have the kavona, he should have the intention, even though he already has enough money to live on, that he's going to give more money to Stoker by, by continuing to work. Or if he has a business, he's going to provide employment for all kinds of people and do chesed in that fashion as well. So again, in terms of what the, the implications are, what the implications are if a person has enough for the necessities, again, it doesn't necessarily mean that he should stop working altogether. That this then brings us into the subjective realm where each individual has to find the correct mix and blend. But the point is that a person shouldn't be driven to have to work by setting the standard of what my basic expenses are so high that it just demands that I have to maintain a certain indulgent lifestyle. That's the point. Okay, let, let's, let's continue. So, Panasa begins, I, I work so many hours a day, now I have uh, other time to, to, to divide up. I don't have too much time to divide up here, but I have a, I have a little time. I have uh, some time now to divide up amongst the, the, other, the other things which the, the Torah, the other demands which the Torah places on our time. Again, let's, for argument's sake, begin with someone who, again, all things being equal, could devote himself to Talmud Torah, both in terms of learning himself as well as Talmud Torah Durabim, whether it's, it's giving, giving a shir, learning with other people, or he could equally well, he's, he's very capable, he's very gifted, he could equally spearhead all kinds of, of chesed projects. Again, if the person realizes that his kochos, his, his abilities and his inclinations uh, lie more in one area than the other area, so again, that's going to be reflected in his unique mix and blend. The Osameach has a, a, a mini-essay in Perak Aleph of Hilchus Talmud Torah where he makes the point very forcefully, he says that you can't, that, that what's uniform in terms of the obligation of Talmud Torah is, as Rav Shechter mentioned, the Kviyasitim. The Kviyasitim, which has to be, again, not just once a day, but twice. Once in a day, once at night. Beyond that, the Yosemeyach says, you can't equate everyone's Chiyuv in Talmud Torah. And that some people 
Some people, HaKadosh Baruch Hu oriented them in such a way that they have a greater Chiyu of Talmud Torah, and some people, HaKadosh Baruch Hu oriented them in such a way that there's a lesser Chiyu of Talmud Torah. Now, that doesn't mean, the Osamech is not implying, and, and it's very, very important to realize this, that when, when, when we keep talking, the, the Mesir Sisharim says, right, there are going to be different paths in, in, in attaining Chassidus, right? There are going to be different what the exact mix or blend is is going to vary from individual to individual. So it doesn't mean that if Ruben's mix includes 10 hours a day of learning and Shimon's mix includes only 3 hours a day of learning, it doesn't mean that Ruvain is superior to Shimon. Right? That's what the Gemara Baruch says, If Ruvain is doing, again, with his abilities, he has... He has created the mix or the blend which matches his abilities and his circumstances. And Shimon has done the same, then Kulam Shavim Latova. So then what each one is doing is equally precious and equally dear to the Ribbon Shalom. So when we talk about there's no superior superiority or inferiority here. It's just a question of every, every person has to try to find that correct mix and blend. So when we discuss about if a person could go either way, that he should, he should opt for Talmud Torah, which is what we're about to discuss, again, that doesn't imply that when a person looks at himself in the mirror and says, you know, I have tremendous kochos to, to spearhead lots of chesed projects. I don't have the same kochos in terms of, of learning, whether it's not having the, the zitzvah or whatever the for whatever temperamental or, or, or circumstantial reason, again, it doesn't mean that one path is superior, one is inferior. And again, as, as we're all familiar with the famous saying of the, one of the early masters of Hasidus, Reb Zusha, that they're going to ask him, they won't ask him, why wasn't you like Moshe Avenu? They're going to ask him, why weren't you like Zusha? So, so clearly in discussing the fact that there, there are different mixes and different blends, not one, is, one is not superior to the other. A person is judged relative to, to what he could do. Again, that notwithstanding, let's say what happens, a person has the, uh, the kishronos, he has the abilities, he could go in either direction. Again, he could uh, be involved in, 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 in learning and teaching Torah. He could be involved in chesed. So it seems pretty clear that, that unless we're talking about some pressing chesed project, which will not be accomplished otherwise, which is a mitzvah she'i which which will not either because it's impossible or it can't be or because others don't recognize the need it will not be accomplished by others so then that's what we say in, in, in the morning every day after Birkas HaTorah if Talmud Torah can I get Kulam and then with the Yushalmi and Peah which the Vilna Gon quotes in, in, in different places of the Chol Chafatzech Lo Yashvuba that ever mitzvot again they don't equal Talmud Torah so again all things being equal a person would devote more of his free time, right? More of his, uh, the time he has available to himself. Again, outside of the demands of earning a living, all things being equal to Talmud Torah rather than Chesed. And here, uh, I think it's also important to just to, to call to mind, you know, the, the, the Gemara in Sukkah in, in commenting on, on the Pasuk in Eishas Chayil of Esaros Chesed al so the Gemara in Sukkah asks, so, are there two Torahs? One Torah of Chesed, one Torah of Nashal Chesed? So, the Gemara has two answers. The second answer is, the Gemara says that Torah al if a person studies Torah 
having in mind to, to teach others, to share it with others, so that's Torah's chesed. If a person studies Torah just for zich, he's studying only for himself, and it's, it's nothing which is going to be shared with others, so that's a Torah she'enashal chesed. So there's a very important halacha here in this Gemara, and that is that when we talk about that a person can't have only Torah, but within his involvement in Torah, he can do chesed also. If it's a chesed for me to give a, a poor person, Rahman al money so he can buy clothing, so he can buy food. And what if the person is starving spiritually? So that's not a chesed. So that's also a chesed. If, if, uh, if, if you learn with, with someone who can benefit from your learning. It can be that you're being him. It could be that Baruch Hashem, he's already been exposed to Torah and Mitzvahs. He's already a committed Jew. But you're helping him, but you, you have more of a background. You, 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 the Yivar Hashem blessed you with more of a background. And you can help elevate him to a higher level. So that's not only Torah, but that's Chesed also. That's Torah's Chesed. So when we talk about the Gemara of Zara, about the need, again, that you can't have only Torah, but often... Torah can be a vehicle for chesed as well. We spoke already about the importance of tefillah v'tzibur, just two more minutes, and, and uh, we spoke already about the importance of tefillah v'tzibur three times a day. And, and finally, in terms of family, Shechter uh, spoke about this at, at, at some length, and I, I don't want to I don't want to duplicate what he said, but, but just, just to um, repeat in other words that it, it's not only that, that, let's say when it comes to chinuch, when it comes to educating, teaching Torah to one's children, it's not only, again, that, that maybe this, that, that, that this has priority over other demands, which it certainly does, but even within Talmud Torah, the, the, the primary mitzvah of Talmud Torah the primary mitzvah of Talmud Torah is to teach Chayav Adam Ulam and Yisbenal Torah. That's the primary mitzvah of Talmud Torah. And certainly the the, the Osameach's mitzvah, the Meshachachim's mitzvah of Lamana Sheyitzave, of Hashem Udarach Hashem, doesn't rank any lower. And it would seem that in terms of all a person's pursuit and the time he has outside of Tanosa, that this really has a uh, that this really has priority. That a person again his ultimate his ultimate chiyuv, his ultimate chiyuv, again, who, who, but no, notwithstanding, but a person's ultimate chiyuv is that the, that the children should be v'shamu darach Hashem, and this certainly has to have priority in terms of how he allocates his time. I, I would just mention again very quickly, and I'm sorry for, for being a little bit too rushed and, and, and therefore too superficial, that when we talk about being mechanech children, and that that has to be given priority, so obviously it means specifically, and it, most often it means teaching them, studying with them, training them, but it also means to be an Ovid Hashem. You know, when, often when you encounter um, people who don't have healthy self-confidence or self-esteem, so it, it's, it's something which affects them in all areas of life, and it affects the Ovid Hashem also. It affects, it affects the, the, the Avodah Hashem also. So part of the Chi of Chinuch which a person has is not only to sit down and uh, study Apostle Chumash and Rashi with, uh, with, 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 with uh, his son. Not only to sit with his children and, uh, and to imbue them with a love for Torah and a love for Yiddishkeit, but it's also to, to nurture them and to nourish them so that they should grow up again with, uh, 
being very well adjusted, very secure individuals with healthy, healthy self-confidence and self-esteem, and that's also part of the mitzvah. That's also part of the mitzvah. In today's society, you can ask uh, menahalim, you ask principals in yeshivas, and they'll tell you that very often, I'm actually paraphrasing one now, what happens out on the ball field goes a long way to determining what's going to happen in the classroom. So very often, very often, it's a mitzvah to play ball with your, your kids. It's a mitzvah to play ball with your kids. If, if in today's society, if, if that's going to determine, to some extent, as they're growing up at their age, the, the self-confidence and self-esteem that they have, so whatever a person does to uh, imbue children with the, the healthy self-confidence and self-esteem is part of the mitzvah of chinas. They can't have a, a love, a simcha sachayim, a joie de vivre, a love for Torah, a love for Yiddishkeit, if they don't feel good about themselves. Everything begins with that, and that certainly is part of one's chi of chinuch. And again, is, is, has priority in terms of demands on, on one's time. And, and, and finally, just, just one, one final hit. I, I apologize for not allocating my time so uh, successfully. But finally, one final ha'ara. We mentioned a few times, beginning with a quote from the Masil Sisharim, about the individuality and how, how everyone's mix or blend is going to be different. And again, the important thing to realize is that there's nothing bidiyevit about that. There's nothing second-rate about that. I think Rabbeinu Yonah, Rabbeinu Yonah comments in, in the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. The Mishnah in Pirkei Avos asks the question, What one midah should a person hold on to? Should a person seize? Should a person grab onto? And the Tanoim say different midahs. So, says Rabbeinu Yonah, what kind, that's, that's sort of a loaded question. Why does there have to be one? Why does there have to be one? So Rabbeinu Yonah says, because people usually have a defining characteristic. People usually have a defining characteristic. Let's say the others are all identified with different midas, right? Avraham Avinu is, is identified with Chesed, and Yitzchak Avinu is identified with the Gizur, and Yaakov is Tiferes. And then the Swarim say that they're also identified with the Gimel Amudei Olam that we spoke about also of Torah, Vodig, Melech, Chesed. It doesn't mean that they uh, neglected the others, but nevertheless they're identified with one more than the other. So you see, even by the even by the others, even by Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, again, that the mix, that the blend was not the same. That's the way the Ram Shalom created us, that we're all different. And uh, that's why, ultimately, you can only give general guidelines in terms of that the Panosa comes first, in terms of deciding how much of the day is left to divide amongst other things. Then, clearly, the Kiyadativ of Hashemu, Derech Hashem, next, and then all things being equal between Talmud Torah and, and Chesed. So a person should fully realize his contribution and his chalak and his shear in, in Torah and after that chesed. But again, that's each person, kefi mashu each person, again, given the unique, the unique uh, blend of circumstances and abilities which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us.